Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. And I'm Nick the Human. And welcome to a very special event. Our first ever Be Movember commences right now. It's Be Movember! Play that theme song, baby! I knew I knew that was going to happen, and I ha- haven't done it yet. Yeah, <laughs> it'll 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 happen. It'll sound good. Um, Welcome to Be Movember, first of an annual event. Yeah, Eric. Since you conceptualized Be Movember, do you want to give the listeners a little bit of a uh, heads up on what they're about to be in for the next couple weeks? Uh, the entire month of November, we're just going to watch Bemo centric episodes. I, who could be mad at such a concept? <laughs> See, Bimo is a character that is kind of peppered in in small doses throughout the show and always like very like real winning moments whenever Bimo pops in. And it's it's rare that Bimo gets like some focus. Mm-hmm. So we're doing it for the entire month. Yeah. I was explaining it for any of our casual fans out there, especially some of us. I was like, you know, Bimo, that's a great way to explain Bimo, but also just generally one of the most beloved characters in the entire series right like for good reason yeah we you know we've talked about previously um what was the episode we did where bimo is acting out as a sheriff angel Um, eyes angel eyes we did that one really great episode brings into sort of um question bimo's morality is bimo nice or is bimo kind of a dick is bimo naive (laughs) what is bimo going on with and in this special that we're covering now Mm -hmm. the distant lands bimo special it's um you know i mean spoilers you should you should watch it if you want it before (laughs) you get it but it's revealed to be sort of a prequel of sorts for bimo and gives us some more background and foundation on who bimo is and what bimo's been through and and in, in ways that the Distant Lands for Magic City and Peppermint Butler kind of let me down, I think this one kind of came through. Yeah, there's there's so much under the surface about Bimo's character. Uh, and I feel like every time we get some focus on Bimo, like it just it's wild how how random and the directions it goes in. And like, this is how Bimo is being developed. Like, this is where the character development is headed. It's always unexpected. It's always awesome. It's exciting. Um, I super I, rich. I know th- when, when we did that, that angel eyes episode. Yeah. It was a fun episode. I feel like that was maybe the worst episode of adventure guys. Oh yeah. Why? <laughs> Cause we just weren't ready to talk BMO. That was, that was the famed lost episode. Oh, right. So we've, we've talked about this a, a million times. This occurrence, this was, I think early on, we had done like five or six episodes or something. And we recorded an entire episode, uh, or we thought we recorded an entire episode, yeah. <laughs> but we, we didn't. We and didn't. It, it yeah. didn't matter because it wasn't good. Yeah. It was like very boring. So yeah, we needed to, to redo it and then that led to there. But yeah, but that's really the only like true BMO episode we've done. So like in, you know, this is episode 60, like it's time to get some BMO shine going. So I think 60. It's, it's, this is perfect for, uh, for be November. Um, and we've got some really good episodes we're gonna cover. I would say, I mean, right up top, what are we gonna cover next week? Bimo Noir. Bimo Noir. Which we talked about a lot on the lost episode. Yeah. It was it was requested <laughs> as well um as a Bimo episode we cover. 
get ready for that. Listen to that. We don't usually tease up top like this, but for Be November, it's what you get. Um, so that'll be a really fun app. And this one was great too. I mean, we we talked about doing Distant Lands one for like months, a year, right? Like we should have really done this when it happened, but right. uh, but we we saved it. We saved it for Be November. So and here we are. Uh, sh- should we just jump right in and talk? Episode discussion. So yeah, Distant Lands, episode one, BMO. BMO. Just titled after the character. Yeah. No, no fancy, no, not flowery, not poetic, um, just straight up BMO. It's like, this is what you're getting. I think it was a great choice to launch the series with for the Distant Lands. Um Yes. Yeah. And um, it's cool. It started and it got its own little title sequence, which I don't think the other ones all had. Like there would be a title sequence, but like this was even like leading into the theme song. Right. Distant Lands has its own little truncated opening Mm -hmm. sequence. Like they don't do a full like theme song like they do in the regular series. Um, It's just sort of like that fist bump and then it goes into whatever it is. But yeah, BMO had like a little bit more extended intro with like some CGI like cameras zooming through the innards of BMO's circuitry and everything. Yeah, which comes into play later in the episode. Yeah. So it's <laughs> nice to see the the inner workings of BMO. And then BMO comes and we're greeted by BMO just in space on a ship, cowboy hat on, singing a cowboy song, saying a great thing. There's more. The first thing BMO says, the first minute dialogue, there's more stars in the sky than grains of sand in the sky <laughs> indisputable every line that bimo has is just a little bit quirky yeah there's just something a little bit unexpected about all all of the dialogue all of it <laughs> and with bimo singing this song that's cowboy related and then all of a sudden starts singing about the potatoes the bimo's potatoes um <laughs> Which is like outrageous, and then the potato potatoes. Then there's like a, a, a hailstorm. The potatoes help uh, plug up a hole, and BMO starts fixing up the hole with a giant bandage. And out of nowhere comes this like weird alien thing, which BMO quickly names Olive because it honestly does look like an olive. And Olive just sends BMO skyrocketing through the galaxy at light speed. And we get like BMO what's BMO seeing sort of like in 2001 a space odyssey, like when it's going really fast and you see like all the fucking lights at the end when it gets all psychedelic and everything. It was like BMO was seeing a lot of that shit. Yeah. There's there's a lot of psychedelic face melty type hyper speed kind of animation in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then BMO it lands and like we're greeted by where BMO is headed right as before the ship is to crash into there. And uh, there's like a, like a weird like battle of these characters, like none of which we've ever seen before. There's just, there's so much that we haven't seen before in this episode. Yeah. I, this episode feels, well, it's just 44 minutes special. So there's obviously a lot happening, but it feels like the most maximalist adventure time has ever gotten. Like, there are some episodes of the regular series that feel very contained, mm-hmm. minimalist, and this is like the total opposite. Like they just every dial is maxed out on this episode. Yeah, Bimo is the only character that we have to anchor our you know our 
like our context of, of Adventure Time. Of Adventure Time. Everything else is new. Yeah. There's just a million kind of like things going off in every direction. Distant Lands 4 Wizard City had a lot of that where it was new, but we didn't have an anchor. And it's really important, I think, in this one that we have yeah. the anchor of BMO. Wizard City had like, okay, you know what Peppermint Butler used to be? Here's like the new version. You know what Abraka Daniel kind of was? Like, here's his niece. Yeah. And you've seen like some minor characters like throughout the series and like they're coming back. BMO is just like entirely new characters the entire time. It gets a little chaotic and it gets a little hard to follow at times, uh -huh. I think. And this was the second time I've watched it. Like the first time was a year ago when it was released. But still there were like moments I was like, oh, I probably wasn't paying close enough attention to like catch exactly what was going on there. Mm -hmm. um, but it kind of doesn't matter. I think I like you, you can kind of skate through this a little bit yeah. because it's just, it's funny. There's a lot of like, you know, moments that are just like you you know you're able to be appreciated in and of themselves like just here's bmo being bmo mm -hmm. in this situation here he is doing that in another situation and you can kind of just move moment to moment and appreciate the episode that that way yeah even though there's a lot of plot happening and there's a lot of new characters um so i mean you can you could totally watch this episode stoned and it would still be super awesome <laughs> even though you would miss like all the intricate plot details yeah yeah it is interesting there's a lot going on um there's yeah we'll we'll, we'll get into it like uh, but it is fun because you just get a, a great bemo moment like i don't know every 30 seconds to a minute right they used to be like reserved for like just choice little spots yeah like, like you might get maybe two or three in an episode max max and then he wouldn't be in the episode or they wouldn't be in the episode for another couple episodes. Um, and this one it's like there, and I think they did a really good job of using BMO because BMO could potentially get tiring. I know that sounds crazy to say, but if you did too much of one kind of thing all up front and like put BMO in a different situation without like some people who are taking things more seriously or whatever, like it, it, it's a perfect, uh, sort of like vehicle it's like a kind of a fish out of water situation where bmo is very confident thinks knows what they're doing but super sassy bmo yeah. is at his absolute sassiest yeah <laughs> um and yeah it, it, it like pays off <laughs> yeah. like in like a practical way and the other way so bmo lands and um there's like these two different there's like a bunch of bunnies i think right and then a bunch of uh these dudes in shells that are fighting, like trying to get like a hold of this like tube. And it's like, what, what the fuck is going on? And then BMO comes and crashes into it. And then it's broken and they're all pissed because they can't give this tube to Mr. M who wanted it. And um, BMO's about to get destroyed until another little bunny guy takes them. And as well as Olive, the, the droid. And then they start like trying to make their getaway right from from both factions who are like coming after bemo for having destroyed this thing am i explaining it well it's kind of convoluted like you're like wait what did bemo just crash into like who are these people what do they want what is this thing all that really matters is that bemo <laughs> just angered like like 10 people like adults that are like trying to do business and needed this important thing yeah it's it is a little bit murky trying to figure out everyone's motivations in this episode mm -hmm. like you kind of eventually learn like you know what i guess H hugo is the main antagonist and at, at the beginning he's only like hinted at like people talk about hugo but you don't meet him yet um and you kind of get like what he wants 
but then there's also Mr. M. It's like, what does Mr. M really want? Like, what is he trying to accomplish? He's just kind of screwing people over. And uh, did you? So you don't re- remember who Mr. M is? I don't. But let's 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 go on just like a little bit further, and then let's talk <laughs> about Mr. M. Like, so there's a little more context. Um, basically, this rabbit goes home, and you start seeing this planet. There's these different layers, and there's these different pods, and there's a surface layer, and they have to go down. And this is where the rabbits are living. And the rabbits gets down there, and the parents. Oh well, before they get down there, Bimo. Um, the, where Bimo crashed made like a rift in like the shield, which was basically like kind of like their atmosphere. So Bimo's ship like had a hole that like rifted in it. And all of a sudden, like all of the oxygen, the whole atmosphere is just spilling out of this hole. And they're like, holy shit, what are we going to do? And the, and the bunny friend is like, well, we got to like get out of here. And then Bimo's like, no, we have to run towards the yelling. <laughs> and then the, the rabbit's like, no, I don't do it. Bimo goes, I do. Sometimes <laughs> and they run towards the opening and one of the, the other guys is like, okay, oh, here's that fucking like robot. I'm going to kill it. And then they, they wrestle and the bunny and the robot like kind of get a hold of that guy's gun and that guy flies out the, the hole. And then BMO tells John, John Hodgman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> BMO tells all the, the dudes at the shells like, Hey, throw your shells there. I'm going to use this gun and I'm going to like melt your, um, shells into like a wall to plug up this hole. And they're like, listen to that green box. So they throw their shells at the hole. BMO fixes it. All you need to really know is that BMO saves the day and then is like famous and is like on the TV as like a hero with like um, a new cowboy hat. And is like, I'm like the sheriff in town. Basically I'm here to like yeah. solve things. Yeah. Now this, the self-appointed sheriff and, has like a mission to help people and, and save everyone on this space station. <laughs> yeah. Um, space station, like planet thing. So they go back and they go to the rabbit's home and the rabbit's parents are there. And it's clear that the rabbit's parents were like, cool, you found this thing. This could be very useful for Hugo. We need to give this to Mr. M. And the rabbits are like, I don't know. And then something else, like a new problem's happening. And BMO's like, we got to get out of here. Let's go. And they're sort of like, uh, they're like well, we'll take, and then the rabbit's like, which is named Y5. It'll be like, we'll take, uh, we'll take BMO to Mr. M so we can get to Hugo or whatever, like, and see if it, it's worth anything for parts. Like, it's clear they just want to, like, strip BMO for parts to use in, like, however they need. And it's like, they're, um, the bunny who's friends with BMO, Y5, their parents, work for hugo so it's and for mr m is ostensibly like they're kind of like below like mr m is sort of like a boss layer between them yeah and, it seems and like hugo. he's a little bit of an independent contractor yeah. like sort of sort of freelancing like but also like a second in command it's uh he's a little confusing and if you realize who he actually is it makes it a little bit less confusing mm-hmm yeah, but he's like, okay, it starts like cool. He's kind of like you don't want to reset top again. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like basically kind of like Hugo's henchman. And what you find out is like when they go back out into the world, there are all these Hugo machines all around, and it's kind of like vending machines, like a futuristic vending machine where you can get anything you want out of it. Um, and they're everywhere. And then as they're like walking through all the rabbits and everyone live, it's clear it's like oh, like everything's branded Hugo. Like it's like okay. 
so Hugo is sort of like the de facto leader, like economic leader, but also sort of like political leader. Like it's clear. It's like we're living in Hugo's world. Hugo's providing everything for everybody. Big brother. (laughs) Employment, uh, food, water, housing, like everything is controlled by Hugo. So um, they like... um, yeah, okay, so they're they're out there and eventually did they save the day again on something else? Is this when they go and find the the space lards? Uh yeah, yeah, I guess at this point Bima is sort of just wandering around helping people. Yeah. I guess he saved the space lards and there was that flood in that other pod that they saved those little guys. And, and uh, we go through at some point we go through a junkyard where we see something that looks like Bimo. That's got a lot of wires sticking out of it, singing the Frasier theme song. Tossed um, spin off salad and cheers. scrambled ad- eggs. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Because of the cheer. Is that, I guess it's kind of like a reference to the cheers theme. It has to be. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. Why wouldn't it be? It's, it's directly <laughs> related. I didn't even think of that. That's really great. Um, yeah. I wonder. I guess because it's not. It. This is a spinoff and that thing is indeed a spinoff of a main character. So it kind of. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Is Fraser coming back? I don't know. I think I read something about that. I never watched it. Me neither. I never watched Tears. There are these things that I need to watch for, like, to be aware of pop culture. I don't. Can I skip it? I I think you can. (laughs) But, like, if you watch Cheers, you can. It's, like, the baseline of, like, one of the baselines of sitcom canon. canon. It's sort of like that, where it'd be, like, I don't know if you're going to like it. But you might appreciate its form and understand its like cultural relevance. One yeah. of those we've talked about Cheers a lot. I, I don't know if I've reached like like having to go that deep in the well to yeah. keep myself entertained. <laughs> Frazier seems interesting. I kind of want to know more about Frazier because he's like a stuck up snooty character and stuff. Like I, it seems like an interesting character, especially for the time that it came out. That I, I'm I want to know more about what's going on. In that, but whatever, we don't have to talk about Frazier. <laughs> um, yeah, he rides Olive as a skateboard. Bimo says that he recognizes that song. Mm, okay, yeah, so there is something, something there. I think, yeah, yeah. Then they, they go, they, they go out, they save the space, some space lards. Um, then there's like another rift happening in because like things are like not doing so well in this space station like there's these pods right that's kind of made up of in this planet space station and like they're all like experiencing failure and there's like breaches from the atmosphere that are happening and in this one there's like water rushing through into this like city um and they go out there and bmo's like i need to go and bmo tries to run on the water and falls flat and like starts electrocuting (laughs) and y5 is like Bimo, robots can't go in water. <laughs> so Bimo jumps on Wi-Fi's uh, head, which is a bunny, and grabs his ears and goes, "Then you will be my arms and legs." Um, so many, so many great lines because B- Bimo's sense of self in, in in the world is is so like out of proportion from the way everyone else is Bimo. Yeah. <laughs> But Bimo's like kind of doing the thing in this episode, like a fake it till you make it kind of a thing, which is like, can Bimo do all these things? But with Bimo's blind confidence and moving forth with it and not overthinking, 
is succeeding. Yeah, well, because that's that's because in BMO's programming, there's no real difference between fake and reality. Fake and reality. Now we got into this on Angel Face, and I I said, you know, in Angel Face. Bimo's living out the the reality of like being a sheriff and like having the cowboy hat and wanting to play in, in the in the West. And I was like, in this, I was like, Eric, like Bimo's kind of living out the sheriff fantasy. Like actually, like this isn't scripted or like playtime that Finn and Jake and and Nepter are playing along with. Like this is like a real world and th- there are consequences and Bimo's killing it. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. Um it's uh I I I wonder if there's any other spot in the series where BMO goes to like a cowboy mode. I don't remember any, but it, I guess it's fun to think that that's like a predilection that BMO has. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and they don't, they don't, um, save, like they don't plug up the hole of this water, but they do. And in the, in the Hugh, one of the Hugo machines, the vending machines, there were these like little roaches that they saw before that were stealing stuff from it. They kind of get them and bring them and Olive and Wi-Fi and, uh, and Bima all get back inside, like to where all the rabbits live. And the two roaches are like, Hey, like you helped us. So like, here's this like thing we don't need. We don't know what it is. And it's basically like a, a USB stick yeah. with an M on it. So it's like, Oh, it's Mr. M's. So Bima th- Puts it inside and goes, mmm, that's some smooth, smooth data. <laughs> and then they just go about their business and you're kind of like, I think I think that's going to be important. <laughs> what, what the hell did BMO get on that stick? Oh, and also BMO, after getting it, goes, mmm, that's smooth, smooth data, throws it on the ground and crushes it. Yeah. Kind of like a like a like if you were like smashing like a tall boy of PBR. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't, what, I don't remember what. What was on that? Did BMO actually use it? Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. There's too much, too much happening. Yeah. So then they go through and, um, and then they find their way to basically to Mr. M who's like in a big limo, kind of like a mobster feeling kind of guy. And it's basically like, get in here. Like I'm going to Hugo. Like that's the thing we've been looking for, uh, BMO. Um, and they take, Mr. M takes BMO and Y5 and Olive to Hugo <laughs> Now I think this is a good time because it's like now we understand who like who who is why Mr. M like you were like I know who this character is, so it's voiced by Stephen Root. Okay, who else does Stephen Root voice in Adventure Time? I'm just like drawing a blank right now. Finn's dad, Martin oh. Mertens. Oh, so he's just wearing a hood. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Sounds exactly like him. his mannerisms, his like screw you attitude the whole time is like it it's totally Finn's dad. I mean, it's not ever like, you know, de- no. he's never demasked. It is Finn's dad. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm such a dummy. I can't believe I didn't see that. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so at this point when Finn is an adolescent, like his dad is just cruising through the stars like on misadventures being a dick out there. Just like whoever doing with whoever it's and here it's hooked up with this guy, Hugo, who's really no good and probably came along from Earth with Hugo like this. That might have been the start. Maybe. I guess it's not really revealed how he got off planet, but like all all the shit that he did in between. So, we you know, we learned that this is a prequel episode. All the shit that Finn's dad did in between this episode and the main series was all off world was all in outer space and it, it eventually got him landed in prison 
Mm -hmm. which is where Finn meets up with him again. And really makes sense given like the behavior, obviously the behavior we've seen, but then the behavior in this episode. So it's working for Hugo. Hugo goes, seems kind of nice voiced by Randall Park, which is just a generally affable voice. (laughs) Like one you're always kind of glad to hear, which is good for a cynist who thinks not a villain, but later is villain Um, and goes and takes a look at BMO and, you know, Y5 is like, I'm feeling guilty about this, but this is for the greater good of the people. You know, basically, I need to sacrifice this friend, this this thing that I like, for the greater good of, like, my parents and everybody that stands to to live here, which is kind of fucked up, right? It's, um, and I think it's starting to get at some of the, like, you know, economic and political undertones of this episode. Yeah. It's also interesting to... Think about like the way that these characters are valuing like Bimo's humanity. Yeah. Like nobody sees Bimo as anything more than just like a toy. Yeah. And Y5 is like on the fence about it. Uh-huh. Uh, but throughout the regular series, nobody really questions it. Like everyone treats Bimo as a, a full being, like a full yeah. person that's like sentient and capable of emotions and everything. And it's never really called into question, I don't think, until this episode. And people just are dismissive of BMO as a toy mm-hmm. for the first time. It's true. I think that, you know, I think in regular, like in the land of Ooh, there's not as many robots or mechanical characters, right? Yeah, I guess not. And on this planet, there's a lot of mechanical type things going on. And like, there's a lot of technology here. Like we've talked about in the land of Ooh, there's not a lot of technology. Yeah, or it's it's or it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent, <laughs> in its or it's yeah. like candy technology and stuff. Um, yeah, I gotta tell you, I was missing the land of Ooh in this like in this alternate like planet space station. You're like, ah, oh, it's just not as fun here. I know the the uh, it, it's weird because you know they're on the space station the whole episode, and it does feel a little bit claustrophobic. And I don't know if that's necessarily any due to it, any internal issue with this episode, um, because the environments within the space station are varied, and there's lots mm-hmm. of different things going on. Yeah. But still, I just think like by comparison to the regular series setting of the Land of Ooh, it, which feels like such an open world environment, putting them in a space station just conceptually makes it feel more claustrophobic. It does. It, it really does. Um, and like they went light years to get there. So you're kind of like thrown off your axis a little bit, which is fun for a distant lands. And it really is a distant land. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So they're like, they get up there and Mr. M or uh, Hugo ends up being like, okay, I'm going to take it apart and inspects BMO. And it's just sort of like, nah, there's nothing here I can use. And <laughs> BMO gets away safe. Um, which just, is a little perplexing to me. Why did, why did this moment happen? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And then, and then during this, you see, I think it was so we could see Y5 wrestle with it, wrestle with BMO's humanity and then wrestle with the, the implications of like the parents want it. It's important to their career. It's what they want. It doesn't want the parents to be disappointed. But also I think like in this episode, getting at this sort of greater cultural and societal that on this planet and space station, like, the way that they're looking at Hugo and how their society is working. And they've given off 
some real blind trust to Hugo and what Hugo's doing. It's kind of like Hugo will provide, Hugo's a dictator, right? Like at it, it's like, if we believe in Hugo, Hugo will provide for us. We just, we need to prove our worth to Hugo and like get in his good graces and everything so that we can like benefit. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I suppose the assumption that when you hear all these like side characters talk about Hugo is that he's going to be a bad guy. And then the first time you meet him, he seems a little bit more benevolent and like, you think he's going to decommission BMO. Yeah. And he's just like, nah, we don't, we don't need to bother with this. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, I, I guess maybe it's a little bit of like a red herring to be like, yeah. oh no, Hugo wasn't what we thought. Like a double red herring, I guess. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and it's nice to get to meet Hugo and see Hugo be nice so that we can be thrown later um, on in the episode maybe. Um, but then he's like, okay. And then he goes, like, well, you don't have anything I need. Like BMO doesn't have anything I need. And BMO doesn't <laughs> like take offense or even realize that this he's his life was saved and just goes, I want to help. Like I'm the sheriff. Like, tell me what you need. I will get it done. And he's like, okay, I need a crystal inside this like jungle pod, which no one can get into because it's all fucked up in there. Like there's like these abominations of God walking around <laughs> where it's like sticks that are crocodiles that can fly and whatever. And BMO's like, no, I got it. I'll go in there and I'll get it. And like, let's go. And like all of Y5, we're going. We're going to get this crystal if that's what we need to do. Um, at the same time, Mr. M and Y5 are like playing cards, future cards. And Mr. M like t- basically takes uh, Y5's like moon boots, <laughs> yeah. which is just shitty. It's like, you're a grown man. I don't know. It it really, once you realize that it's Finn's dad, it, God, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. It, like the, the funny thing line is when he says oh you know if you win you can have my boots and they're like shitty torn up just, and- <laughs> yeah cracked yeah. holes um yeah loses them now y5 is barefoot and they're and they're running out and then they run as they're going to get in mr m's limo and go do this pod run into y5's parents who are just like you why why doesn't the robot with miss hugo and they're like well you like Hugo said, and they're like, I don't want to hear it. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you are you following this robot's orders? Like, wh- they're kind of like, what is our kid doing? Um, I mean, fair question, but also they just don't see BMO like that at all. And BMO gets real heated and offended by this. And Y five is sort of like, look, I was just playing along and I let it go too far. I'm sorry, mom and dad. And BMO's like, fuck you. Like, I'm out. I'm doing this on my own. And like, BMO needs nobody. Um, I've got you football and like looks back in the, the reflection for football. Gosh, football. The, uh, the episode starts off with like a sick burn on football too. Yeah. What is it? Uh, I think Bima's talking about like not having anyone around to like, to, to, to be friends with or something and foot football in the reflection is like, well, you have me. And then people's like, I don't have anyone interesting is what I meant. <laughs> yeah. And, which is funny uh, to say. Also, I think it's worth pointing out. It's not revealed why BMO is in space or when. It's just we just open on BMO in a ship in space. And right. I was kind of like, why is BMO in space? When is this? Like, what? It's uh, I guess the twist at the end is that it's a prequel. It all happens before the events of the regular series, but I guess having it be the first thing after the main series, like here's the first distant land special. It 
after probably seeing the series finale where it's set like in the future and BMO is yeah. like telling it as a flashback. Uh, it, I think a lot of people probably assumed like this is, you know, very far in the future. That's what I assumed seeing it. And like BMO just on like an adventure thousands of years mm-hmm. past the events of Finn and Jake. And he's like flying through space now. Cause like BMO just got himself into that situation. Right. But and then when, when when I started to question this on my first time through was when I heard Stephen Root voicing Mr. M. Got it. And you're like, huh? Yeah. It's like that's like is this just Stephen Root like doing another character? But then like the mannerisms really start matching up with Finn's dad. And like, okay, so this seems to be like an alter ego of Martin Merton's. And then it's like, so where does this fall in the timeline? Right. And that's when things. Yeah. That's it, when you're like, okay, I yeah. see what's happening. Yeah. So they, um, anyway, so they go and they, and Bimo's like, I'm going to go into the jungle and alone and like do this and be the hero. And, uh, and Y5 goes and stays back and Bimo goes in and then gets to have an adventure in this jungle yeah. land. And it gets some zany action sequences, just Bimo just go- going for it. <laughs> yeah. Goes in and immediately falls into this huge dirt crevice where there's just like a community of crabs around <laughs> And as Bimo tries to jump out of the dirt, there's like oozing like green slime from that's like radioactive and acidic from the walls. And they're like, I'm going to get out of here. And the the crabs all join up together and in unison start clanking their claws. And then their claws turn into wings and they start flying. And I did not like seeing that. That's <laughs> It was creepy. That's Super. not what's supposed to happen with crabs. Really inventive, though. Like, I just. You know, so much new material was created for this one episode. Yeah. Like, I, 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 at one point I was thinking just like, man, like the background artists like were overworked as hell on this. I, cause every scene they're in somewhere totally, totally new. That's, that's totally unrelated to the last scene and totally unrelated to the main series. And they're just having to like come up with all these crazy creatures and everything. Like. It's insane. It's, it's. I appreciate the work that went into making like every element of this episode super unique. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Like hats off. <laughs> and before Bimo jumps on- onto one of the crabs to fly away out of the the damage, Bimo's starting to get a little bit scared. And it's like, no, like this is what we do. Like we move forward and Bimo jumps onto this crab and then rides this crab into the sky and goes, you're my new best friend before the crab is promptly eaten by like a dragon <laughs> yeah. and Bimo falls off. And then right back to where he started and the uh, walkie talkies there. And Mr. M's like, Bimo. And he goes, well, that was crazy. Like, okay, I'll go get this. And then goes to get the, uh, this crystal. And, and while this is happening, um, I think Y5 is back and somehow, oh, Y5 is back with Olive just like rooting around and looking at stuff and finds another USB stick, right? Yeah. So she like basically, um, like she's trying to steal back her gravity boots. Yeah. And she's rummaging through Mr. M's shit. Finds and, the gravity boots. Yeah. Thank God. And also finds his secret plan, uh, yeah. which is just basically taking all the, these essential components of each pod to which will destroy the space station but will power like their what they call the unity pod which is like an escape escape pod which is yeah Hugo's and and hugo is plan. sort of like he's doing the um populist sort of move which is like 
What I am doing is building this unity pod that will save all of you in all the pods everywhere and cure every problem you have. And they're all like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> and uh, it's all a sham just to benefit himself. Yeah. <laughs> like a good dictator does. Like a good Charlton. Um, yeah. And it's like they, they, it's like it shows it. It's like, oh, there's like a map and each of these pods has like an energy source. The energy source has been taken. And now the pod's drained of his energy and all the problems are happening. So they're looking at the jungle pod and they're like, holy shit. And they're kind of like, I should have like been with Bimo. Should listen. And they see on the, the map that now like the crystal is moving because Bimo went and got the crystal. And as soon as Bimo takes the crystal out of its like pod, like where it should be, everything in the jungle starts dying. Yeah. Everything's going haywire. He's got to like run the gauntlet back to the entrance back to where Mr. M is waiting. And, uh, Mr. M screws him over. Yeah, he th- he's like, throw me the the um the diamond so you can run faster. And he goes, okay, he throws it. And then um and then he goes, now catch me and, and jumps. And then Mr. M like purposely shuts the door really quick on Bemo's hand. And like Bemo's hand is there just like flopping around. And he's like, ah, oh, too bad or whatever. And then leaves. <laughs> and it's just this is like another now that you say it, it's Finn's dad, like it's just such classic him behavior where it's like BMO wasn't against him. <laughs> BMO was like, Oh, I want to help you. Like I'm down for the cause. Cool. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like this is great. And yet he still does. Like he didn't need to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it didn't need to happen. And yet it does. Cause he's that much of a dick. Like it, I don't know. I guess BMO, maybe at that point he's like realizing BMO is a formidable foe or, person yeah. i guess i guess had bimo not been stopped there he would have caused problems for mr m later so. yeah but he does it with such a like nonchalant like i don't give a fuck about anything kind of attitude he just shuts the door on him and then bimo fucking dies and bimo and before bimo dies bimo sits there and looks at himself and goes you were never the hero you were always just the cute sidekick <laughs> oh Oh, which is just sad and, oh. and it's sort of like and Bimo spirals and then and is like crying and then blows apart. Yeah, this is like the the death sequence that's like masterfully done. <laughs> yeah. Bimo starts floating through a black void and is exploding and then being put back together and exploding and Bimo's just like, I think I am dead. <laughs> and then around Bimo in a in a sphere, like in a circle, starts to be like, I don't know, seven, eight different versions of Bimo in different colors. And they all have like a different viewpoint on Bimo. Like there's self-doubt, there's confidence, there's like defeat. And Bimo in the middle is like, no, even Bimo ba- always bounces back, even <laughs> in death. Like, right? Like it's like pretty ridiculous, but Bimo's trying to hold it together and just like have faith, but like all it's, it's coming to terms that this might be the end. Right. It, Bimo has, you know, stared death in the eyes like many times. Yeah. Do you, do, do you see that episode where he changes his batteries? Oh, I don't remember. Maybe a long time ago. <laughs> it's just like, it's just harrowing. Like the, what he does at, and it it's unsettling how unflinching he is about it, where he's got the little battery compartment in the back, 
Mm-hmm. And so there's an episode where he changes his batteries uh, by just setting out like two AA batteries on the ground, and he and he uh, he stands in like in front of, in front of them. They're behind him. He flips out his his battery switch and removes like the the batteries that are running low, and then he shuts off. And he's just like dead for like a second while he falls backwards onto the new batteries that he placed on the ground. Oh my God. (laughs) So he just like experiences like a few seconds of lifelessness, like in the void (laughs) in between him. That (laughs) is, that is really harrowing. He could get any of his friends to help him with that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, why do go through this? Which also, I don't know how his, his battery hookup works, but usually if there's that spring, it seems like it'd be hard to get it in there. He's got perfect aim. I don't, yeah. It's honestly, when even when BMO just turns off, it's kind of sad. It's like, no, this should not be happening. Um, right. What's 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 that meme of uh, Ralph the Frog that only exists because you're like you're consciously thinking about Ralph the Frog? I don't know that. You haven't seen that one. You're you're big into frog memes. I do love frogs. I love memes. <laughs> And frog memes. I'll send it to you. <laughs> okay, hit me. It's also unsettling. <laughs> oh God! But but Bimo's gone, and um, Y five is racked with guilt, and now knows like what's going on. So they run down. Oh, they they run into um Y five runs into um her parents and and is like, look, like I have look like I have this info and like can't get um Olive to show up as like. Like Mr. M is like a bad guy. We have to tell Hugo, like he's draining all the pods and the parents are just like, shut up. Like, like where are your boots? Like get out of here. Like you're an idiot. Like basically just like really disrespecting their kid. And the kid finally stands up and goes like, BMO was like my friend and I didn't listen. And now like bad things are happening and then runs to go get BMO. Um, And, oh, and there's a choice quote there number where they're kind of like wow i can't believe she's so upset and then mr m is like yeah you know he's like pain the ass kids like makes sense coming from their deadbeat parents (laughs) something like that right yeah (laughs) which you looked at me and it's like now knowing it's like oh yeah (laughs) this guy knows something about that and then um they go down there and they're like gonna try to rescue bimo and those two roaches have gotten bimo out of the jungle and they're like in the hallway and they're like shit like and they they're gonna like just try to get parts out of bmo too and they're like no like we have to save bmo and they're like well we do know someone who could help put this together and they go back to the trash where we saw that weird bmo singing the fraser song and they're like can you help us and it's revealed that it's like a pretty much a cousin of bmo yeah and she sort of gives the backstory of how every, everyone got to be there. Yeah, they're because Y five is like we've got to go find Hugo and tell Hugo like what's going on. And this is it like C something Simo? It's like Simo. Yeah, but, I forget her name. And it's like, and it's like, oh well, you know that Hugo is the worst, right? And they're like, what? And then it's like, yeah, like Hugo. And then proceeds to just tell the story of how Hugo got here, which is like as earth was ending like in the armageddon that you know the mushroom wars the mushroom wars um um ejaculated or (laughs) evacuated (laughs) and ejected (laughs) i I, uh, wow what a great combination of words i 
in a spaceship. That's I mean, that's basically the definition. Yeah, it really is. Um, in in this spaceship with a bunch of people, but did it very very hastily and like not um properly like with enough money and what have you and uh and the the ship like fails and then like uh, do you remember exactly what happens like then they find their way to the uh these aliens which are the greys which are some of my favorite characters in adventure time history yeah so i guess they like they were just regular old humans until they met the greys and then they i think the term they used was biohacked. They, yeah. they biohacked the greys and which I guess killed them, but like morphed the human anatomy into like the weird version that we see throughout the the whole episode. Yeah. Where they're, cause you're like, wait, these aren't humans, but it's like, yeah, because they biohacked the greys, <laughs> which was really sad. Cause I saw the greys and I immediately started cheering because <laughs> they're from my favorite episode, high strangeness. And I was like, yeah, those guys. And like, it's funny the way they always depict the greys. Cause they're just like in there and they're just like flown around and like moving their arms around. Like they're kind of <laughs> like, they're just total chillers and dancing. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Then they like, and then what happens? Like they basically make their way to this planet and then make all these promises. And it's clear. It's like, Oh, this guy is just milking where he ended up and all these people to get his spaceship back in like functioning, like territories so they can get out. And then Y five is like, Holy fuck. Hugo's totally fucked up too. Um, and then they put BMO back together and, uh, right in time for this, what was it called? The unison pod. Unity pod, uh, yeah, to to be starting up, and then they get upstairs, and as they're coming up, um, Y five's parents are like, "Holy shit, every pod is dead," and like things are going bad, and they're like, "I think Y five was telling the truth," and the dad goes, "Honey, that's the first time I've ever heard you say that." And I said, <laughs> "I think Y five was right," and they're like, "Holy shit, what did you just say?" Um, for their illustrating how fucked up uh, their relationship is, and then they get back up there just in time they're like we got to like show this plan and bmo is like oh i still have the data and that smooth smooth data that's right yeah. and that's when bmo then projects from his face the map which is basically unveiling the plan to just milk all the pods for their resources um in order to fund this unity pod which is basically just the wealth getaway the interests of the leader and the corporate elite his inner circle because who's going to be on that thing but him and his inner circle the people who can they're draining the climate the resources and exploiting the working class through lies in order to get what they need to enhance and further their own wants and needs sound familiar don't it <laughs> and uh they they review it and they go like Hugo, do you want to like say anything about this? He goes like, no, I don't. Everything you see is true. I just, you know, I did this just to benefit myself and those, my inner circle. Um, but the thing is, is that you were all complacent when you thought it could benefit you or it could be in your inner circle. You, you'd benefit from it. You just went along with it, even though the evidence was right there. Uh, yeah. So who, who was in his inner circle, by the way, because he wound up, just being the only person on there. I think so. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like there was more, but it it was kind of just for him. But it's, I mean, look, it was like a really powerful, it was a, I mean, it's, this is, this is some straight up like ripped from our current political headlines. Yep. We're 
Leave it to a kid's cartoon for the biting socio-political commentary. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even think we need to really explain it. If you don't know what we're talking about, then <laughs> I don't know. Go read a thing. Go read a news. Um, it's election day coming up. Yeah. Get ready. Uh, I guess after this episode, or it'll ha- this episode will be posted after election day. Yeah. Just nothing good happening. Just uh, local stuff. Mm. Like, I- I'm only voting in like a shitty conservative district and I'm, it's not going to change anything, but whatever. Still vote. I guess you could vote for a fucking cop to be mayor. Don't do that. I mean, I guess it's better than the other option. Yeah. It's true. Which is pretty shitty. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Let's stay on track. That's for our New York (laughs) listeners. Um, So the worst fucking thing New York city could do would be to make a cop mayor. God damn it. After everything. Fucking shit. After that everything. really gets me riled up. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and you would get, and this also, I don't know if you noticed, but Hugo was bald and I was like, seems like he's kind of Jeff Bezos. I feel like this is like really driving home. Yeah, was this was, because like, this was well before the, the billionaire space race though. It was, but Hugo was like an Amazon stand-in. It kind of felt sort of Amazon-y yeah, to me. Like all the Hugo machines are kind of like those like Amazon vending machine drop-off it's, things. It's honestly just a more depressing caricature that Amazon, that Jeff Bezos wound up being that kind of person, like yeah. trying to build a rocket ship. Like, yeah. Really, really depressing. So shit. then he flies off. Um, but in this, in the meantime, they get all the, the space lards to go and like, kind of like slow them down and plug up the hole and then they like basically like plug up the hole in the atmosphere right like the space station like the shield uh what do they do they basically like they're trying to stop the unity pod but they can't and they kind of get back down but everyone's safe and they kind of like in in with this socio-political commentary they all kind of go like well look if we go around and we go through the scraps we can work together and learn from each other how to build, rebuild our resources and like take with what we have here and rebuild our pods ourselves, you know, kind of like a socialist will learn yeah. from each other, like be together. And, uh, and they're like, okay, we're going to do it. And then BMO gets on space lard named Ricky and is like, well, looks like this sheriff's got to be moving on. Yep. Cause they don't have any need for cops. Yeah. Because of this new found <laughs> utopian potential society, and they uh, no place for cops in Utopia. So Bimo goes off and um, starts going really fast, and then sees Earth and goes, "Yeah, that's where I was trying to go." And then uh, go there, and then the space art goes, and then turns into like fire through the. Oh no, Bimo goes. Okay, I'm gonna like strap in. strap in <laughs> and gets in the space lard's mouth. Yeah. And then space closes his mouth and then it goes through the atmosphere. It's on fire and crashes in to a very familiar green pasture. And then they're like, oh, thank you, Ricky. And he goes, my name is Twinkle Toes or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And then BMO goes forward and goes, hey, who's that? And you see a Jake with a mohawk and leather jacket and piercings having a sword fight with a really, really young looking fin. And it's a cardboard sword. Yeah, so this is like revealed to be, you know, before the main line 
timeline. Bam. I guess this is so in the regular series, I, I think Jake starts off as 23 in dog years. Yeah. So the Mohawk and Leather Jacket is probably his teenage rebellious phase. Yeah. Um, which I don't know how all that makes Finn, but <clears throat> at this point, it seems like they're still a little bit young to be out on their own. I guess Margaret and Joshua are already dead and they're hmm. maybe that fueled Jake's rebellious phase. Yeah, I don't know. He does have a falling out with his brother, right? Yeah. I forget how that shakes out. Yeah. <clears throat> but very, very interesting episode. Um, in it, did you see the snail? No, I did not see the snail. Nick, did you see the snail? No, I didn't. And uh, it's because he wasn't in this episode. Is it? Yep, that's why. I was very curious. I was like, is the snail truly in this one? I'm I'm 99% sure that's that's how it happens. Okay. Like, he's not in, in the Distant Land specials, except for uh, when he's like a story element. Yeah, which was in that one. Um, <laughs> so there it is. All right, should we do a little bit of a miscellaneous mania? There's things you may not know. No, Zarek and Nick will show you all the trivia in Okay, well. Here's here's uh, I'll give you a little bit of fun stuff. Um, Y five says to get to get into um, the drift city, the drift's main city. Like when they is descending, puts in a password, which is like zeros and ones, and it's actually binary four password. What Y five <laughs> puts in? That's great. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm reading here that this is the first canon episode where the snail does not make an appearance all right court and like adam muto is credited as saying that so it's good that we did not see the snail yeah if we had i don't i don't know <laughs> we could be super high we could see the snail in this episode i guess yeah i have to watch it again for getting like after tripping on some psychedelic or something yeah um, Are we going to do a 420 episode this year? I don't know. We'll see. Is there like a episode where they get high in it? Uh, I get. I think. I think we did that. I think that's thanks for the crab apples, Giuseppe. Oh, which we talk about all the time. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I mean, that's literally probably one of our favorite episodes. Yeah, inexplicably. Uh, we could do. We could do season four, episode twenty for. <laughs> for 420. That's not a bad idea. We'd have. We'd have to. Uh, do the whole podcast high. Are you allowed to do that? Does your work care? Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's legal in New York now, right? Yeah. I don't know. How, how does it even fucking work? How do the laws work? No idea. It I've was, never, it was, oh, it was like earlier this year. Yeah. I've been, I mean, I've never smoked weed. I've been waiting till it was legal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've only, I've only ever bought it in, legal uh stores in like colorado or california or 
any of the other like dozen states where it's legal. Dude, you got only it, in those places. I, I don't associate. It's good. I don't associate with people who do illegal things. There means they're morally bankrupt if it's not legal. <laughs> Legality equals morality. That's what I always say. Yep, that's what the cops always say. Yep. Um, I don't think the cops follow legality or morality. <laughs> Fuck the pigs. All right. <laughs> let's stay on. Let's stay on adventure guys here. Fuck these sheriff cops. Yo, we were. We were. Well, how about that? Yeah. I mean, okay, what? Go, go. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I do like sort of have a problem with the sheriff mentality. Like if you're, if you're going to like be this cosplay kind of cowboy, like why would you choose the lawman? Why wouldn't you choose the outlaw? <clears throat> like every time there's like a fucking sheriff and just like, there's such a cooler way for you to do this. Like, why does BMO have to be the fucking sheriff? Why has he got to be a cop? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in, in, in like, you know, cops and robbers lore, like I think you're existing in a world that's lawless and people are just choosing to say the world is meaningless. Therefore, if I steal, it doesn't impact others. And a sheriff symbolizes, Hey, no, no, what? No, fuck that. Like we can choose to behave morally because it is the right thing to do. So I'm going to stand up and I'm going to show that like we should be conducting ourselves better as people. And like that is like, sh- and that's, and that's where you start getting the murky waters where you're like equating legality with morality. <laughs> because I think in a lawless place where, in a cops and robbers universe, laws were merely put up because if they won't, like no one would behave morally because you wouldn't have to. So that's like, I th- it's a kind of the beginning of the conditioning to thinking that <laughs> legality is morality. And in that sort of world, I can see, but it is not true beyond it. I was actually just listening. This is on my mind. I was listening to uh, on revisionist history. They did a breakdown of the little mermaid and, um, <laughs> And they were talking about how that is kind of like a fucked up story because it came from like an old, you know, like a lot of others did, like old fairy tales. They changed the ending to make it more happy and in the process kind of fucked the moral message that the original fairy tale was was telling. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's where Disney excels. <laughs> yeah. And they kind of like break it down. And, um, then they start one parent who's like a lawyer was starting to say like, um, Ursula like has trapped the, the, the main mermaid, like, because she signed away a legally binding document to give away her, her soul. If she didn't like do something <clears throat> in enough time and the and her dad, who's like the King and ostensibly God in this universe comes back and says, you know, Ursula, give me my, my daughter back. Um, and she goes, no, she signed a contract and the contract is legally binding. So nothing can be done. And then the dad's like, no, and basically has to kill Ursula in order to make it <laughs> null and void. And this mom was just saying, I'm a lawyer. Like th- that was a, a legally binding document that was signed by a minor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not fine. Also just the fact that of uh, uh, there was a contract for it does not make it the morally just or that it would like upstand in any sort of court of law. But in this Disney logic, it's just upheld for dramatic purposes, but that's fucking with 
my kid's understanding of how this world works. And it's like putting legality above morality. And, and she, and, and that's dude, that's only 10 minutes into episode two. And this is a three parter <laughs> 90 minute thing. So podcast wreck on the podcast, but revisionist <laughs> history. Um, is there, is there little, little mermaid on Broadway? Is that happening? Is anything happening on Broadway? Um, I remember Titus Burgess like campaigning to be Ursula, uh, which would have been an amazing casting yeah, choice. Yeah. I, I didn't think it worked out though. Yeah, I don't know what the where that oh, it all ended up. Very good question. <laughs> nice. All right. Any- uh, yeah. By the way, did you see the uh, the girl dressed as uh, like a, a SWAT officer earlier today? No. So for our listeners, we're actually we're. Recording this before November officially begins. We're recording this on the last day of October, which is Halloween. Uh, and we went and got brunch today. Yeah. <laughs> Such a fucking Sunday New York thing. Um, and there was there was this uh woman at, at the table across from us that was dressed as a, a SWAT officer for Halloween. <laughs> and I was like, we sat down, I did like like a serious double take. I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I missed that. I, yeah. Like it, it was did, like, did she have a helmet or any of that stuff? Like a, like a hat. hat yeah. yeah. Like, and I mean like the panic sensor in my brain was like, cop, 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 cop. <laughs> and then, it was, you know, then I focused like, Oh no, it's just a costume. Why is she in a costume? Oh yeah. It's Halloween. Like <laughs> it is. I, I saw a guy last night that was like in the friend group that I was hanging out with and I didn't never met him before and don't know. But he was wearing a SWAT vest too. And I just like didn't give it any mind because it was Halloween. But it is kind of a uh like what a costume to pick <laughs> given the events of the last two years. This man, this guy was a man of color as well. Um, um, and I was just thinking back at it now, it's like, huh, you huh, is that a political choice? I know I started talking to this guy, I don't think it was. I think it was literally just like it's a really easy costume with a black t-shirt and just a, a SWAT vest. And you just be like, yeah, I'm a SWAT guy. That's like, like I, I literally think that's the amount of thought he put into it, but just given everything we've been through as a society, <laughs> odd choice to me. What are you going to do? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, what was the name of that spot we got brunch at? Um, I can tell you right now. In Williamsburg. De Mole. De Mole. De Mole. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Good. You have some good enchiladas. Yeah. They look good. I'm glad they were good. Um, okay. I'm now, okay. These rainbow colored, back to the miscellaneous minute, the rainbow colored subconscious cells seen when Bimo dies apparently were first seen when uh, Bimo was contemplating Mo's death. And the more you mow, the Mo you know. That might be an episode we should do. I think it is. Um, so I think is that a two parter? Does it say? I don't know. We should go look at that up. We should do one part of the two parter, mm-hmm. but not the complete. Save the other one for next BMO November. <laughs> November, sorry. Next um, year, November twenty twenty two. Set your alarms. <laughs> yeah. All right, another one. Y five and Mister M. I said we're gambling and playing cards. Where Y five loses her boom boots. The cards that they're playing, apparently, it's a version of Card Wars. Uh, yeah, it seems similar. Interesting. So, you know, it says that this was a reference to 2001 when they were going through. 
Um, there, yeah, it, that's you know, kind of like a standard like sci-fi thing now. It's it like is. I guess 2001 is what introduced it, but it's like such a like undefined, just like component of like sci-fi lexicon. It is, but I don't. I I mean, like, I I don't think that was ever thought of as a concept before 2001, right? Yeah, I'd I, like to know. I guess, I guess not. Um, what year was that movie? 67. Right, yeah. It's very early. Uh, I I watched it over the pandemic and it instantly was like top 10 movie of all time. It's become so ubiquitous, just like that reference. Yeah. It's like you have any sort of space travel depicted on screen and you get that. Does it happen in Dune? I don't remember. I'm going to, I bet I'm going <laughs> to, we are talking about Dune again. I, I, yeah, I, for our listeners, I tried watching the David Lynch Dune last night, but I didn't finish. <laughs> I was too distracted with other, other tasks. It, it requires your undivided attention. Mm-hmm. I did not have, there's that. a lot of story. Um, it opens like it, like the, one of the first things that happens in the movie is you see the weird monster of the spacing guild. Like, that like folds space in order to like travel like that. So like, I was wondering if like that guy has like a, a larger part in, in the, in the David Lynch movie that, I mean, mild spoilers that doesn't really come into play in, in Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Yeah. So I was very surprised to see that on screen in like the first like scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I'm going to see the new Dune and we can talk more Dune. Um, there's some more, I don't know if you've got the thing up. There's some good, uh, references here. You know, they said this was all new characters. I did want to say we did see some like, uh, what were you saying? Like Qbert people. And at one point yeah. we saw, and with the, and the space lards we've seen before, <laughs> they, they, they also point out here that, so BMO's talking to football. And since this is in the past, I guess BMO meets football and five short grables. That's what I was uh thinking about actually because i'm pretty sure football was like created like we saw that happen during the main series i was like but here he this here he is before does this make sense do they do you think it's like a thing where it's like this is young bemo like having an imaginary friend and then later on it's like that brain or memory is jostled i don't know you don't know is there ever a part where Bemo's memory gets wiped or partially wiped or anything that happens in like star Wars with the droids. Hmm. So I, it kind of like explains some plot holes that, you know, C3PO doesn't remember things or. Yeah. Now do you see the next one, which is going to be very interesting. Do you see what I'm talking about? It says here that in an AMA that Adam Uto claimed that Mr. M um, being, you know, Martin Mertens was an unsubstantiated rumor. Um, but people are saying that it is sar- that his uh, response was, quote, sarcastic um, and worded to sound like what Mr. M or Martin would say in denial of <laughs> such accusation. And thus it's likely that Mr. M and uh, Martin are in fact the same person and Muda was joking. Um, I would say that's right. That's it's. Yeah, it they're the same. Yeah, it's funny how just like a uh, a AMA could like throw people for such a such a loop. Oh yeah, I guess if he was if he was typing that, it's hard to tell tone. Yeah, Adam Mudo's a good egg. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for anything that he has to contribute. Of course. <laughs> I guess he's he's the one that's doing uh, Fiona and Cake, right? Mm-hmm. Is that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be really exciting when that comes back. Anything else you want to cover? Mm-hmm. He is the showrunner of Fiona and Cake, by the way. Cool. That's all I got. Yeah, that seems seems to be all the relevant stuff. We're pretty on topic this episode. Yeah, very on topic. Kelsey will be happy. Yeah, you were very on topic, Nick. <laughs> I know. Um, anything? Any mail we want to go over? Uh, we got a lot of spam mail for Jesus McGuire. Like, I'm talking a lot. Like. <laughs> 30 emails. Hey Zeus, are you a listener? Are you uh, are you fucking with us? I don't know what like this happened to us once before. Uh I don't I think our email address is like weirdly generic in that I was honestly surprised that like I was able to get it. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it winds up just being entered into a a thing that like sends it out to like spam bots or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, every now and then it's just it's gonna gonna require some cleaning, go through and unsubscribe all the junk. But you know, nothing if not the hard work for us, Eric. Yeah, we didn't get any real emails, so no. Did you see the mail? Yeah. Um, and next week we don't really need to run that episode generator. Now nah, we can play the song. What are we gonna watch next week? What are we gonna watch? All right, so next week we're going to watch Bimo Noir. Uh, we've been, this is deep in our lore that we did it once and it got all fucked up, but we're going to do it. Yeah. What's the, uh, and we're hoping we're going to have a, we're going to have a special guest before we commit like we have in the past. Let's yeah. just say we should have a special guest. Special guest. And it's yeah. been the first time in a while. And I confirm some of the details, but uh, that should be fun. Yes. And we should get some more guests for Bimo November. I big, big time agree. Yeah. Uh, what epi- season and episode is is Bimo Noir? Good question. I'm gonna look that up myself. In the meantime, while we look it up, um, if you have been enjoying this episode, please give us a positive review on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. Just give us a quick five stars and write a little thing. Um, really helps us show up in the search and has helped more people find us since we've had a couple of nice listeners do that. Thank you very much for everyone who has. Um, also, if you want to like support us, you can go to adventure or anchor.fm slash adventure guys podcast and uh, kick us uh, a couple pennies each month. It'll help us out on running this thing. Um, what were we going to say, Eric? You find the episode number? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the support that we've been getting is uh, super cool. Um, Hell yeah. It it feels like we're we're picking up some steam on this podcast. You know, we've been doing it for a year, and uh, we've got how many episodes of this podcast do we have left? <laughs> two hundred <laughs> plus two hundred forty. There's no way we don't get to three hundred. Uh, we, we got we figured it out one time like three hundred seems likely, given everything. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're about twenty percent finished. We've got a good eighty percent left to go. So yeah, we're building momentum. Thanks everyone for for listening. Um, 
season four, BMO Noir, season four, episode 17. All right. That's for next week. Watch it. Thanks, guys. All right. Good up, everyone. Great app. Peace out, y'all. Bye.